What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hustle and Muscle podcast. I am your host, Chris Graham, aka. I'm still just the. Uh, You're still just I'm the, still just the hustle. Just the hustle, yeah. And I am your co. I, I'm also the host, Kristen, and I am the muscle. Yeah, fittest of the coast in <laughs> South Carolina muscle. Ladies and gentlemen. Professional strong woman muscle. Yeah, yeah, but you're still just a hustle. Yeah. Uh, so we have an exciting episode. <laughs> Mr. Brandon Bouchaw, everybody, are you excited for this next six-hour episode? <laughs> I am. I can't wait. I brought my water, yeah. so I'm solid. Perfect. Um, so for those of you out there that are people that are watching this and they don't know who you are, um, let's hear a little bit about who you are, who Brandon is today. Uh, first and foremost, I'm just a normal family man. You know, I'm married to my wife, Cynthia, and two kids, Kellen and Aria. And, uh, you know, that's my main focus in life, but I stay busy. Uh, Cynthia and I own a, a bar, as you mentioned, in Surfside since 2004 uh, that we've had a lot of fun with. I recently started selling real estate with my sister and brother-in-law about, uh, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now. And I am still uh, cage fighting. So keeping the dream alive at the ripe age of 39. So I am, uh, I have my 24th fight, my 12th professional fight coming up this Saturday. So yeah, man, I'm staying busy and I that's love awesome. it every I'm, second I, of it. I, I, Now you are in Myrtle Beach, but that's not where you're from, correct? That's right. Uh, from Maine where are you, originally. Oh, the Northeast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so go to, go to where you're from and then keep going like eight hours. <laughs> yeah. And that's where I'm from. So yeah, Cynthia um, uh, and I grew up in Maine until uh, until college. So you're married to a girl from your home state. How long mm -hmm. did you guys actually know each other? I, we met in middle school. So I don't want to date myself, but it was a long time ago. So yeah, it so was, like uh, there's like high school sweethearts. You guys were like kissing behind the bleachers in the playground during recess. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, behind the dock <laughs> at the lake. Well, Cynthia's dad was looking the other way. What's up, guys? <laughs> you know he's watching. Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. He can't figure out YouTube, but we'll show it to him. Uh, so you're an athlete. Where? What did like? What was sports like growing up? Were your, was your family, your parents, like into like being athletic and getting into sports, or what was like your your little kid childhood like? Yeah, I mean, I was blessed with parents. I don't think my mom and dad missed a practice, a game, anything. You know, my dad was a lumberjack, so he was. He was in the woods cutting them down. If we had a game, he was there uh, my whole life. And uh, so no, when I was way up in northern Maine, Little League didn't start till I was nine years old. And I convinced him to let me play at seven. And just sports have been a part of my life my entire life. And um, the support from the family is where it all started. And, and I, I couldn't be more thankful. I mean, when I left, you know, my parents would travel a thousand miles to watch me wrestle two matches and then spend the night and travel home. So yeah, you know, and it's cool. And they, my dad still shows up to my practices now at, at my age, which is, you know, it's a cool thing and, it, and I don't take it for granted at all. Yeah. And that's like, I think too, with like us, with like our daughter is um, at this age, she's nine years old, but it's like, I think it's so important to get kids like involved in everything so they can start to not only build like social skills, but like kind of figure out what they like, like put them in everything and they're going to quickly weed out like, the things they don't like and then the things that they do like. And it, I think it kind of like builds a lot of character and development for a kid. So I think that's really important. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, and my daughter, Aria, I know she's watching. So um, we put her in everything. And, and the deal is whatever you want to try, you try it. You have to finish that season, it, even if you hate it. The thing is you try and when, when you're done, you give it your all. If you're like, you know what, flag football is not my thing. Cool but you got to see it through to the end. Yeah. And that's kind of how it started for her. She didn't like it at first and now she's kind of thriving and, and she digs it. So I agree with you. We put them in everything from dance to ballet and gymnastics and see what shakes out. And that's kind of how you find yourself, I think. So you ended up leaving Maine and went to college, right? What did you, yeah. Let's talk about like college life. So like, where did you go? What did you do? And what'd you study? So I, Left Maine, uh, it was very hard to do, and I had it narrowed down between uh, Old Dominion, uh, West Point, which would have been a whole different life, and uh, Michigan mm -hmm. State, and I wanted to wrestle in the Big Ten, so took a leap of faith, and I left 
left Maine, went out by myself and, and wrestled at Michigan State and, uh, man, had some, some great years, some ups and downs, you know, and, um, but I went there and met a ton of new people. I didn't know what I wanted to study at first. I thought I wanted to do kinesiology, and I realized being an athlete and trying to get all the lab time in didn't really go hand in hand. So I ended up getting my degree in uh, communications, advertising, and uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what I have my bachelor's degree in. What did you uh, wrestle weight class wise? I know like it's hard to like kind of judge somebody based on their size, based like looking at you with no frame of reference. So, like, what did you yeah. wrestle at in uh, in college? Uh, so I got recruited to wrestle 125, uh, and this is when all the weight cutting rules started being put in place. So when I got there, there had been a, somebody had passed away cutting weight the year before. So when I got there, they started doing hydration tests where you had to get down, check your fat percentage and be hydrated. And the lowest I could get to was 128. So I ended up wrestling 133, uh, while I was in school. So you just said that somebody actually passed away when you were wrestling. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Kind of like, my, you kind of like rolled right over that one, like real quick. I mean, you don't have to get into those details, but that's um, scary though. Cause I know even just for me, my weight cuts, like they, they suck. There's no other way to say it. They really suck sometimes. So I can't even imagine getting to that point. That's crazy. And how tall are you at one? You said you wrestle at one twenty five. So how tall were you? Yeah. I mean, I was, I think I, I peaked a long time ago. So I, I was <laughs> tall for 125. I was like 5'8", you know, 5'7". Okay. So I didn't, yeah, and I was long and lanky, which is weird because in everyday life, I am not tall or or long. But wrestling at that weight class, I would wrestle kids that are 5'4", and just this, you know, huge. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm long, and it, it's a, a really totally different thing. But, yeah, so I'm still 5'8". So you wrestled at <laughs> – 125 what would you like walk around at like do you wrestle like weekly in college how's that work like how often yeah do you you're right yeah you wrestle weekly and then if it's a two-day tournament you still have to weigh in the second day so we had to all season we had to weigh in for practices so we had to be within eight pounds i mean i guess you don't have okay. to be you are supposed to be within eight pounds so if we if when i was wrestling 133 we'd weigh in before practice and i was supposed to be right around 141 that way, if any time they called your number, you needed to get there. You weren't trying to do a 20-pound cut where you could potentially hurt yourself. And then once dual season started, we were at, we had to be five pounds outside of our weight. So it kind of gave you an idea of how to diet and make a lifestyle, not crash weight cuts. That's actually not a terrible idea. I mean, I'm sure it's not ideal for the student who wanted to make that big weight cut, but it is a lot healthier um, from a nutritionist standpoint for you to be within five pounds and make it a lifestyle as opposed to a, a crash course. Yeah. I mean, it was just a moderately miserable lifestyle instead of extremely <laughs> miserable <laughs> points of your lifestyle. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, and I carry that on now or when I first started fighting, I do these crazy weight cuts and found that I felt like absolute crap in the cage. And so you have to make a commitment to your, your nutrition and, and your water intake and everything for quite a while leading up to the fight. Uh, so you can perform at a high level. Now, is that how high school is now? Is there like, um, do they monitor like the kids in high school as to what they weigh going into fights? Is I don't even know how it works now in high school. Or Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I know it's a lot different and it's a lot more technologically advanced than it was back, back when I was doing it. It was kind of a free-for-all. So I know that, uh, you know, there are kids that, that are training around where I train that have to hit certain – you know, they have to weigh in at certain marks. Even if they want to wrestle 130, they got to weigh in at like 125 if they ever plan on wrestling at 125. Like there's certain, okay. you know, but I, I, I think when I was in high school, like I could have sworn, I remember I had friends that were like wrestlers and I could have sworn they were in like sauna suits, sauna suits in the bags. sauna, like spitting into cups mm -hmm. and like doing these extreme things where I was just like, it was like, like in history class, spitting into a bucket. It must mean we're all old. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. are. I know. I uh, live that life. Yeah, I mean that's that's totally that's tough. Oh my god! Muscle, muscle! Yeah, Brandon! Yeah! We love you guys. I had a feeling something was gonna happen. That's really funny because Trip is actually in the comments. Oh my god! Yeah. I know him. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have my gun in here. <laughs> right? Yeah, right. The shit out of me. I can uh, drive it over to you real quick. We can finish uh, him off. So I had to live in the hood. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but yeah. yeah. So anyway, I digress. I'm gonna. Yeah. Him. You see but the I black think, eye he gave uh, my daughter, was... by the way. What's he? Yeah. 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 What an ass. Anyway, he needs to get a, a smack in the mouth at some point. I think we'll, we'll give him one. <laughs> but yeah, so back, so back to Isaac. Yeah, no, I lived that life, uh, cutting weight and trash bags and spitting, chewing gum. I think the biggest reason why, and still the culprit, was lack of education on what we're putting in our body. I remember thinking, wow, you know, I'm within a pound. This bag of chips only weighs four ounces. I can eat the whole thing. Yeah, not realizing what sodium does and retaining water. It, yeah. We just didn't know, you know, and I don't, I, I, it was a different time back then. I, I think a lot of people didn't know. So, you know, we're killing ourselves to pull water weight when we're eating what's keeping the water in. It, it's, I wish I could go back, you know, I'm sure a lot of people do, but man, there was yeah, so even, many better ways watched, to do it. Like uh, a lot of the different documentaries, even like with UFC now, and it's like, there's a couple different mindsets of when a fighter is approaching a fight and they have a lot of weight to lose or, or they have not a lot of weight to lose, but maybe they're already lean. So it's hard to get out those last 10 pounds or whatever it is. And some people seem to hold their walk around weight up until the fight. And then they lose it all as fast as they can. And then there's some people who progressively step down as they approach their fight. Um, do you think one of those is better than the other? That's a good question. Yeah, no, it's a great question for me. It works better for me leaning out earlier on. I, I know a lot of people, they want to put all the weight back on. And, you know, and weigh, you know, weighing at 145 and then be 168 when you fight. To me, that doesn't matter nearly as much. I would rather only weigh 153 when I'm fighting 145 and be quicker and feel good. Um, when I do those crash diets, I just don't think 24 hours is enough time for your body to fully, fully recover. So my weight yeah. number, and I've talked to Kristen about this, like my number will stay higher because I'm water loading now and I never used to do that. So I might still be 18 pounds over two weeks out or, you know, uh, 10 days out. But really, I have so much water in me that I'm not that far off. It's kind of a mental battle. It's like, okay, yeah. I know I'm not still 163. I know I'm like 152. Like I can feel it, but the number isn't right. So I think it's about learning your body, you know. Whatever and I think even with water loading, you'll say more than yeah. I do. There's like an art to it, like a there science. There is. To and it. I know for me, I weigh myself, and I don't know how often you weigh yourself, but I, and I do this daily just because it's become such routine. But I weigh myself um, before I go to bed at night, and I weigh myself first thing in the morning. So I know how much water I'm floating throughout the night. And I think that's really important to know how hydrated I actually was throughout the entire day. Because if I only lose like two pounds from the time I go to bed to the time I wake up in the morning, I know I was dehydrated during the day before. Yeah. I mean, floating is important. I mean, I check my weight all the time when I'm behaving. <laughs> if, if, I'm off, <laughs> if I'm off the plane, I'm like, I'm good on that thing for a while. But yeah. And you know, when you're floating over to, for me, if I'm floating more than two or three pounds while I'm sleeping, then I am, I'm sitting right as far as my water intake and just warming up for a workout. I'm just pouring sweat. Mm -hmm. That's when I know I'm hydrated. When I'm like, I can't get a sweat rolling. And then you think back to, you know, binging on pizza and wings. And that's why, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. and how much alcohol did you have the night before? I don't drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mr. Bar owner. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so you went to college. What did, what was your major? Um, well, I, I tried to, I tried to get into uh, the business school and I did not, I wanted to work um, logistics, um, but I didn't, I ended up getting my degree in advertising and, and, and I brought you down here. Yeah. So I got a job at Brandon advertising of all things in Myrtle beach. And that was back in 2003 and they offered to move us down here. And we we're like, you know, we're fresh out of college. We had really could go anywhere we want. We wanted to be on the East coast. We didn't want to be where it snowed and we didn't want to be in Florida. So, and we didn't even know Myrtle beaches in South Carolina or by, you know, we had no idea. So we just took a leap of faith. We packed everything in the dog in a, in a U-Haul and towed the car down and started our life here. You know what's crazy is how many times people said, like, when we moved from Jersey to Myrtle Beach, they're like, where are you moving to? And I was like, Myrtle Beach. And the funniest thing, how many people say, mm, Florida. Nice. Yeah, right. And like, I, don't, like, <laughs> I don't know why so many people think Myrtle Beach is in Florida, but they're like, I love Florida. And I was like, I do too, but we're going to go to South Carolina. Yeah. Um, like, so I had to like, Google, South like, is there a Myrtle Beach in Florida? <laughs> yeah. No, people had no idea, and myself included. I had no idea. Except for when I interned, I interned at a rock radio station in Lansing, Michigan, 
and my boss was from Myrtle Beach. And I was like, this is the craziest thing, but she never said South Carolina. So, and I was like, oh crap. I was like, it's in South Carolina. I had no idea. So <laughs> anyway, now I've been here for 18 years and my kids are natives. So yeah, yeah. I guess, I um, guess we liked it. So you come down for marketing. How did you open a bar? Like how did like one day you guys just say like, let's open a bar. How does that happen? Well, the short story is I, I wanted to work in advertising. I loved it, but I wanted that, that fast paced Madison Avenue, New York city advertising. And here it's a little different. Like we're a little laid back as you guys are learning quickly. And, and it a was a little slow. Uh, 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 it was a little slow for me as far as the content and what we were doing. It felt repetitive. And I felt like there was a, a ceiling I was hitting, you know, of what I could do. So my ex-brother-in-law and sister, they were moving out from New Hampshire and opened up their pizza place here. They sold it there and, and Cynthia and I helped them open it down here. And I, I just loved building something from the ground up. So I told Cynthia, I was like, look, we're not making money anyway. Let's do it. I want to open a pizza place or like <laughs> a video rental store. Thank God she taught me out of that one. And um, Thank she God. She's like, if we're going to do it, let's do something we are good at. We know let's, let's open a bar, like a sports bar. And I was like, all right. So <laughs> we kind of, we begged, borrowed, maybe stole and uh, got enough together to, to open our bar in 2004. And it's still cranking. We didn't really think we'd make it a year to be perfectly honest with you, but we, we built a what pretty were the cool first thing. couple of years like? Well, I'll tell you the first few months were a lot of tears and a lot of what the hell did we do and bringing our dogs with us and having an employee bathroom because we had no employees and um and we had no social media back then so when we opened it was like turn the lights on i mean we put a strobe light on the roof like trying to attract attention because we couldn't afford traditional marketing and uh we slowly built it up actually trip who just came in here like a maniac he was a gm of outback down in merle's inlet back then and that was our first, that's how I met him. Actually, that was our first big crowd of people that would come in regularly. And we started building the service and building it up. And then we started making a little money and it became fun. And we turned our first profit in the third month, which was like insane. Wow. And that was, yeah. and that's, so we opened in August. So that was like November, December. And then it kind of gave us motivation to grind through. And we started, you know, my sister started bartending a little bit and, and then it, uh, yeah, it started taking off. It, it was tough. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I say taking off, I meant like the tips we were making was just barely enough to keep the lights on. But, <laughs> but, but it was, it felt good. It felt like we were creating something. I, I think that's one of the scariest things when you own like a storefront and you first open and like the first day you just open your doors and then sit there and then just like wonder like, is anybody ever going to come through these doors and hand me money and want something in return? Or is, am I just going to sit here for, days and months and years on end and nobody comes in. We still talk about it to this day. There's no guarantee when we open the door, you know, it's not like Starbucks. So, like you know, there's going to be a line, like yeah. there's no reason, you know, and if we don't stay motivated, stay on it, stay creative, that just cause we open, there's 1600 bars in this town. There's no reason yeah. for anyone to come see us unless we're providing something that they want. And it is, it's an uneasy feeling. Even after 16 years, you're like, damn, we better come up with something good coming up or else you get stagnant and boring and people are like, ah, go to the next one. So yeah. And that's I mean, spoken like an entrepreneur right there. Like you have to be creative. You have to keep changing it up. Look at the next best thing and like keep grinding it out. You have to hustle. Up. Like every bar has four walls and TVs and beer. I tell people all the time. It's, it's what you do, how you treat people, the people you have there representing you that's what makes the difference because you can get, I mean, you can get a cold Bud Light anywhere. You got to make yeah. them want to do it with you. So it's relating to people is super important. I think. I think you're right. Like a lot of people. And I think when you say like a sports bar, like to a guy, like, Hey, do you want to open a business? What about a sports bar? Like to me, that seems like the coolest and like most fun type of venture to go on to, but it's the same thing. You could get, you can rent out a building. You can get distributors to bring you alcohol, put some bar stools around, and then never fill the seats. So it's kind of like that atmosphere. You know, there's plenty of places that have bar stools and beer and it's hard to create that vibe or that like fun energy that gets people to keep coming back in day after day after day. Yeah. And it's, and it's Not hard. Easy. Sometimes it's very, uh, you know, it's like planning a party at your house when you're in high school 
and having the fear that nobody's going to come to your party. That's like yeah. every day. You know what I mean? It's like every day. It's because you try to do something. You're like, oh man, it wasn't that good of a night. Like what that, what are we doing wrong? You know, you feel like, man, I saw that other place was busy. So yeah, it, it's tough, man. It's 365 a year. You feel like you're planning a party and hoping like hell people show up to it. How do you think uh, social media help business wise at all? Huge. Like the start of Instagram and the websites and all that type of stuff. Massive. I remember the first bands that we booked from out of town, we found on MySpace, which was, you know, they had like their song playing and they had like, they had a professional person do it. I was like, this is the coolest shit ever, like by far. And then Facebook came out and I was like, that is so boring. That's never going to fly because it's all white backgrounds. And, and then, I, I mean, the amount, not that I love the people behind those things, but the amount of communication and relationship building we can do with social media platforms is and it still shocks me to this day. And I know we've talked about this place bars, for example, or restaurants that have no social media presence at all below my mind. It's free. Yeah. It's free to post yeah. a picture of what you do, you know, or, yeah, or it's, it's entertainment business at this point. Like if you're running a business and you don't have the social media side of it down, you're just losing clients and money and like business. And it, it just blows my mind. I, I mean, actually, my, I mean, even like on like a, uh, a consumer standpoint, I like to go to a restaurant and actually like post a picture of my drink or a picture of my food or a selfie when I get there, whatever. But if you don't have something to tag, or you're also missing like out on all the people going, that are posting about before it. we go to a new restaurant. Um, like you were telling us about restaurants today, like before you go to the restaurants, it's cool to go to their social media to see what it's like. Like before I go into a brand new restaurant, I want to see what other people are posting. I want to see what they're posting, mm -hmm. see like how I should dress see what the vibe is like, see what it looks like in there. So, I mean, a lot of people use it. It's like going to like TripAdvisor before you go on vacation. You want to do a little bit of research sometimes before you go to a brand new restaurant. Yeah, you can totally read the vibe by by a simple Facebook page on, on what they're posting and what people are talking about with it. Gives you an idea of what you're walking into. And then to be honest, if they don't have one, it almost feels like they don't care enough to even, you know, and I know that's unfair because some people aren't savvy with that stuff, but like you said, if you take a picture a of the food, yeah, yeah. I mean, you take a picture People of the food and you go job. to tag them. You're like, what the hell? You don't even have a Facebook page. Like, it's yeah, there's now. businesses now that just hire people to run their social media. Like I, and, and I get that as, as a business owner, you can't do everything. You can't order the food. You can't do the scheduling. You can't also work there. You can't do the social media and do all of that by yourself. You just have to start to hire out and have people start to do other jobs for you. Like you can't be the bartender and do the books and do the scheduling, you know, and serve the food yeah. and cook the food. So, well, that's what they say, you know, you know successful people surround themselves with smarter people. You know, I think it's money well spent. Yes. If you're not good mm -hmm. or savvy with a computer to hire that out and you'd be amazed, like simple little gimmicks we did at the bar, like checking in to get tickets for this little drawing we do. It, our numbers went through the roof as far as impressions and everything, just by people being like, Hey, I'm here. Well, your right. friends see you there. They're like, Oh, well, what's going on? And then, I mean, it really took off for us and, and it cost us a hundred dollars a week, which is peanuts compared to what it brings. Yeah. In. So. And we're and talking about vibes. So if somebody comes down to Myrtle beach and, and they're looking for bars or whatever, and they hear us talking about this, how would you describe what your bar is? How do you, how would you say that to somebody that's never been to your bar to, to Island bar and grill? Um, what would it be like when you walk in there? It's like a cool bar you expect in your hometown. Like, right. Like that's, I mean, we're 90, 95% locals, but everybody brings their friends from out of town or their family. It's just a little bit of everything that you want, I think, in a bar, you know, with live music, sports, you know, good beer, good drinks, not, you know, moderately priced. I think our food is far better than what we charge for it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think want people. Go ahead. And, and I'll, I'll describe it too as an outsider point of view. I mean, we do go to your bar often, I, I would say, since, especially since we've been down here. Um, what I like about it is I, I feel like when you walk into the bar, like when we walk in, it's almost as if like everybody in the bar turns around and sees you come in and they're all like, hey, welcome back. Like, it's like the same group of people. Like cheers. Yeah. it's Yeah. Like she always says, it's like cheers. Like everybody knows your name. And I'm like, if you say that one more time, <laughs> you're going to be limping home or walking with a black guy. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, it's like, I feel like it's like a um, more of like a locals crowd. And it's very like, it's like a calm, peaceful environment. It's fun. Uh, it's not like, 
I want to say it's not like a tourist, like crazy, insane place. I think it's just a fun place to go. There's live music and it's like you, you see the same group of people and you feel kind of like safe in there. Like it's like a, you know, it's like walking into like your high school again where you see everybody, you know, and you're, you're happy to see people and stuff. It's like fun, you know, yeah. I think that's how yeah. I would describe it. I mean, I think it is a local crowd, It's but it's very welcoming. You know, there are some places you walk in, you're like, whoa, like the record's yeah. like, shit. <laughs> well, okay, I got you. I'm out. But no, I think they're. I think people are really welcoming. We're blessed with a great staff that that is welcomes everybody. You know, with, with open arms yeah. guys to get to know them and get a name, and and it goes a long way. But no, I mean, I don't. Th- we are not fancy. You, you know, there's no no like frills about it. We're a sports bar. We try to do what we do well. You know, we try to underpromise and overdeliver with our food and our yeah. beer, and I think it speaks for itself. And uh, yeah, the people, without the people, the quality of the people coming in, it wouldn't matter. Because if we have a great place with a bunch of assholes, if, sorry, <laughs> uh, hanging out there, then people aren't going to want to hang there. So it's, yeah. So yeah. we're lucky to somehow figure out a, a decent formula, knock on wood. Uh, so. Being at the bar, has your uh, wrestling background ever come into play there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, back back before, so when we first opened, people would find out that I wrestled in college and they would always want to like test it, you know? And granted I was like early twenties. So I probably wasn't exactly not wanting to test it too. So we used to do a lot of 3 AM clear out the tables and let's wrestle a lot of rug burns. Uh, that ended, I accidentally broke somebody's arm and had to pay some bills. So that ended, that ended the fun part of it. Uh, but to be honest, once I started competing MMA, I, no one's really, messed with me too much well you you were there one night but nothing ever came of it so yeah i'm a lover anyway i'm a happy yeah. drinker yeah i yeah. still push your buttons as hard as i can i'm still <laughs> waiting one day to like wake up in the morning with a black eye and hung over and be like what did i say was it at least funny <laughs> no it's bound to happen it's oh yeah happen. a leg kick for sure um so bringing up like the mma stuff um how did you transition? Like, I know we talked about like you wrestled in college and then you went, moved down to Myrtle beach and you opened a bar. So like, where does MMA come into play? How did that, well, where did I, that come? So I took nine years off of anything remotely athletic or I, to be honest, I was so burned out after college. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I worked for a beer distributor in college and wrestled. And when I got done, I said, I'll never touch a case of beer, stack a case of beer, or, or do anything athletic or lift a weight again the rest of my life. And then my whole life is beer and <laughs> athletics. But um, no, I, I took off my 20s and I was starting near my 30s. And it was funny because I saw, I was watching The Ultimate Fighter and I was like, is that Rashad? Like a guy I wrestled with in college is on the damn Ultimate Fighter too. And I was like, okay, well, MMA, you know, UFC wasn't that big then. So I was watching him, following along, and being like, you know, I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And then Gray Maynard was on Ultimate Fighter Five. I was like, all right, everybody I used to wrestle with is is trying this out. I really want to get one crack at it as a bucket list before I turn 30. And uh, so I started training. I started going to the gym between classes so nobody would see me. And then I, I took a fight in whatever, 2011, and went down to Jacksonville, Florida, and ended up winning. And I swear it was like an addiction like the biggest high ever, you know, I was like one and done. And I was like, wait, can I do it again? Like, <laughs> so yeah. And it's been, uh, God, it's coming up on 10 years, you know, I've, I've been wow. doing it. So still cranking along. I know you said your, your parents have been supportive throughout the years, but what about the rest of your family? Does the rest of your family get supportive with this? Yeah, they love it. I mean, you guys know my sisters, and if anyone's ever watched a video of me fighting or wrestling, you can hear my sisters because they are crazy, especially Melissa, my oldest sister. I'm Sometimes I think she's going to climb the cage and be in there. But <laughs> no, they all are super supportive. Cynthia has been great because, I mean, as you can imagine, it's time away from the kids, time away from the business. I have to train uh, with weight cuts. I get cranky, you know, and uh, they've all been – literally, I've said it since – since I started if if my parents or my wife or anybody was like, listen, I think you should wrap it up. Like, what are you doing? Then I would honestly, but I have such great support in the system around with everybody and they encourage it. You know, a lot of people talk shit like, dude, you're old. Like, what are you doing? 
but a lot of them are like, man, if you can still do it, do it. So as long as they support me and I'm not getting hurt or, or missing out on important life things, then hell, I mean, I'll keep doing it until they tell me not to. What about the kids? Have they seen you fight yet? Not live, not live. They, they went to, okay. they've gone to a couple of weigh-ins and, um, Actually, Aria went to one that was like really bad, like fight broke out, whatever. She wants to go so bad. But um, and I would even think about taking them, except for uh, the after party is at one of my sponsors at the dollhouse, Myrtle Beach. So not what, is, is, what is that? that? What kind of place is, is that, that where they put dolls together? Is it, I'm confused. They build it. Them, yeah, maybe? I don't it's like build a bear. But <laughs> no, no, it is the pre, it is the premier gentleman's club. On the north end of Myrtle Beach, so we'll be there after. The I, we fight might have Saturday. actually been there once. I think for research purposes, I believe we. I, I do recall. I do recall that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. We did check it out, and it turns out it's a great place. So we'll be going yeah. back. Yeah, we, we and all, they were we very are. welcoming there. They are. They are always great. Yeah. Especially <laughs> the guy that, that grabbed your butt. That was perfect. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about that. So he just. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hope he's doing well. He is. Oh, I'm sure he is. Him uh, soon. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I have a question real quick in the chat. Uh, your thoughts on the Jake Paul versus Ben Askern fight coming up. Man. Who's winning that? Well, on a fight fight. I, I mean, I still think Ben Askren. I mean, he's an athlete, you know. But I will if say. If an I'll actual get... fight, like an actual fight fight, who wins? Oh, Ben would murder him. I mean, it's just right. like Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. If they actually fought fought. Like it would be over immediately a leg kick and a takedown and beat him up on the ground, you know? Um, yeah. But I will give Jake, like they're putting it in. I mean, he's putting work and I've watched his, his, you know, his workouts and his strikes look crisp, but uh, Ben's an athlete. And he, the thing is Ben's not a great striker, but you're still going against a guy who has fought some of the best people in the world for 15, right. 25 minutes going against somebody who's kind of doing this as a hobby. I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if if Jake Paul beat Ben Askren in anything. Now, if I had the exact related. same skills as Jake Paul, would I get that same fight? Or is this strictly because as a promoter, they're giving Jake Paul this fight because how much money he will bring to this oh, arena, yeah. to the sport? They're, they've done a great job of building their brand. So you can't, I can't knock them for that, corny right. or not, or for whatever reason. They built an audience. Now, if you had it, there are, listen, there are far more deserving fighters to fight Ben Askren, but it's not right. about the fight itself. It's about the draw. You know, I mean, yeah, they have a huge following. Hell, and the only thing I'm upset about is I'm fighting the night they're fighting. <laughs> so, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I want to watch it. They take my money. Yeah. I mean, they would get mine even, you know, even though I know it's, there's some silly elements to it, but the trash talking and uh, man, I think it's, I love it. Give us something to watch, someone to hate, you know? Um, some uh, same, same person, different question. Uh, would you recommend CrossFit to fighters to help with performance? With proper technique, absolutely. But I think CrossFit with proper technique goes, goes without saying. Yeah, I mean, the great thing with CrossFit and, and where I – my gym where – before I had kids and I was there all the time um, at Fitness Edge MMA, you know, they have one half is CrossFit and the other half is jujitsu, boxing, wrestling, all that. And there's crossover constantly. Finish your wad, go over and do jujitsu. I think the explosive movements, the power, I, it goes hand in hand with, you know, if you picture a fight, especially grappling, you know, you shoot in and you're exploding up. That goes hand in hand with a lot of those Olympic style lifts. So I, I definitely think CrossFit is a huge benefit for fighters. Is, is there a lot of weight training with uh, fighters in their like programming and conditioning, or is it mainly just cardio? No, I think it, it, it differs. You know, some people don't, they just want to run and, and I don't know, I don't want to speak for the Diaz brothers, but someone like them, they do triathlons and all that. I don't see them doing cleans and all that stuff. Lifting. Some people really like, um, God, I can't think of his name right now. He's about to fight for the UFC lightweight title. But if you watch him, he's always doing absolute like heavyweights and explosion. I think it's all what your body reacts the best to. Like for me, okay. like straight up benching, heavy lifting doesn't work as well as 
body weight, fast motion, high intensity, like hit training for me is what gets me there. You know, like okay. lifting, I can like look better, but. And I think a lot of people look at CrossFit as like only like, like a way to work out where it's like CrossFit's really like a company and a brand, but you can do the stuff CrossFitters do and call it like you said, hit training. Like you can do burpees and do it's like, conditioning, yeah, do time on time off and you can call it like conditioning or hit training and not call it CrossFit. And people think that's totally different. CrossFit is bad. Hit training is good. When really like CrossFit adds sometimes like Olympic lifting, which I get isn't for everybody, but I think you could take like some of the modalities of CrossFit and just call it boot camp. You can call it hit training. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like one well, of the same Well, I use it with my, with my clients. I don't say like, you're doing a CrossFit workout today. I'll say, okay, this is your Metcon. And a Metcon is less scary than telling somebody that's not into CrossFit that they're doing CrossFit. So it's like yeah, play on words. There's a stigma, you know, for some people it freaks yeah. them out and other people it gets them excited. But right. all, I mean, it's get up and move. You know what I mean? Work yeah. out and, and get your heart rate up. So that's the biggest thing. It, and I was guilty of it for years before, I was, you know, go to the gym and just, you know, and then get on your phone and do a couple of curls, get on your phone. But if your heart rate's never up, what the hell are you really doing? You know, so I like getting in, get after it, get your heart rate as high up to, you know, 190 as you can while you're working out and pumping it. For me, that works great. I'm just not as strong as you. If I was as strong as you, I'd be, you know, doing all this shit, but. Are you talking to, who are you talking to with that? Definitely not you. He's talking to <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, definitely um, not, Chris. What are you doing this uh, Saturday? You want to go out and get some drinks or what? Busy? After, absolutely. Yeah, so I'm fighting for Showcase MMA uh, right here in South Carolina. You know, with all this pandemic stuff going on, it's my third fight in seven months. Man, I feel super blessed to, with half the world still shut down, to have the opportunity to do this. So, so yeah, I'm fighting. It is, it is outside along the uh, intercoastal waterway up in Little River, which is a really cool it's going to be a cool venue and it's a full card. There's 14 fights and uh, fortunate enough to be the main event for the third, third card in a row. So, and it's kind of a grudge match, which, you know, I don't need much to get me motivated just because I love competing, but this one is a little extra saucy for me. You know, I, uh, this is the third, third time I signed a contract to fight the same kid. So I feel a little extra. How did the other fights with him go? Well, the first time he pulled out for whatever reason, uh, second one was for King of the Cage in Georgia and we did weigh in and we squared off and this was part of their, uh, baseball stadium tour. King of the Cage did, uh, well, they started it in Southern California and it, it, it doesn't rain there. <laughs> so coming here, they didn't have a backup plan. It rained all night, the night we we're supposed to fight and they rescheduled it for that Monday and he couldn't stay to fight. Uh, so for whatever, I don't knock him for that. A lot of people couldn't stay until Monday night to to fight so so that fight was off and now finally we are back on let's hope so man different weight class i just pray he shows up so so what was. uh what weight what do you normally fight at and what are you fighting at on saturday i normally well i used to fight at 135 and father time keeps grabbing me and uh <laughs> no i fight at 145 that's my that's my comfort weight um and this one, he refused to cut any weight, uh, said he would take the fight, but only if we fought at 161 or 160 mm. plus one. Um, so at first I was like, let's do 155, make it like a weight class, you know, make it lightweight. And I said, nope, it's either 160 plus one or nothing. And I was like, whatever, dude, it doesn't matter. It's the same, same guy. So, so this has been a really weird fight week for me. Uh, like really weird. Like uh, to be honest with you, it's messing with my, my scheduling and my tempo a little bit, but it is what it is. I think I'm just too damn happy for fight week because I can eat all the time. So you have so, so much energy. <laughs> I right. I feel like I bounce off the walls. Normally, what is it? Wednesday night? Yeah, we wouldn't be doing this interview normally. I don't think I'd be cranky. Yeah, and that's why I asked you about. It. I was like, "Are you good to do this on Wednesday? Like right before your fight?" And you're like, "Yeah, let's do it." And I was like, "If you don't want to do it, we don't have to." Because I. We, I mean, you said you've had three fights in the last seven months, and we moved to Myrtle Beach about like eight months ago, and we've been to all three of the fights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I've seen you the week before all of your fights, and the week before your fights, like sometimes I question why we're still friends with them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah and but I, we know what to expect. I apologize for that. Well, the first, so the last <laughs> one was tough because those fights were six weeks apart. And yeah. so, I mean, I was pretty much like in camp for like 15 weeks 
you know, I think it's, it's hard, especially owning a bar. I don't know if you know, but bar life and MMA prepared life is like polar opposites and the bar is <laughs> yeah. a shitload of fun. So it, it just, yeah. I mean, I try to do my best to not be cranky and, and but it's hard. I mean, when you're calorically deprived and it's, it, it sucks, you know, especially when you don't you, have I think, to do like, it. Um, mentally too, is especially when you're like depleting yourself with hydration or calories. Um, I think like mentally, like it just, it, it, it's tough. Like it just starts to shut your brain down. Your body's just like begging for food. It's starving, you know? So it's just, you're, well, you're just not. There's a lot of like, why the hell am I doing this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? But, but you know, the, the opportunity to compete is all I ask. And that's why I do do it. And, and that's what gets me through the weight cuts. Unfortunately, this one I don't have to, so I'm happier and shit and I'm confused and <laughs> I, I just can't wait. I can't wait to go in with a no weight cut and uh, and perform. I feel like it's going to be like just going into sparring, you know, or it, hopefully it, it should be great. Um, a question in the chat from a Mr. Trip DeForest. If you could finish someone with any move, what would it be? And it must be MMA related. <laughs> MMA related. Oh, man. Spinning back fist knockout. I would love it. <laughs> just yeah. – Hey, Trev, that's a good picture right there, too. I like that. It's a boss picture. Yeah. Um, he never actually yeah. looks like that in person. No, no. You saw what he looked like in person. Yeah. No, spinning back fist, it's been talked about since my first amateur fight, and I was scared to death to do it. And uh, I hate turning my back to people, but, man, I would love to just – I would love to throw one and just see somebody fold up. Yeah. Maybe this Saturday we'll throw one out there. Yeah, Baker, um, if you're watching, watch out for the spinning back fist. <laughs> I think you're not supposed to. I don't know anything about fighting, but maybe don't tell your opponent what you're going to do. Like, yeah, but maybe I, I tell him, know. and he's like, "There's no way he'll do it because he told me." And then I do it. Like, right? Shit. He's like, "He's not going to yeah, do it." Yeah, I like that. No, no, no maybe mental. he's now thinking, "I'm thinking this," so he is right. going to do it. So it's the double not thinking. That's how you get him. Oh man! Now I don't know <laughs> if he's actually going to do it or not. <laughs> I'm going to watch for it though. I'm going to film it. Yeah. Me either. Um, so we're good. So we talked about uh, bar life, fighting, all this stuff. Uh, what else are you into? Any more jobs? Real estate, right? You guys yeah. know. So how's how's that working out? How well, it's all. How, does, how do you go from like owning a <laughs> bar to being a family person to fighting people to now saying like let's get into some real estate? Well, yeah, real estate came life. about. Yeah, it was like two years ago. I remember. So Trip, who you've already met a couple of times, and my sister Jules. Uh, you know, Trip used to own an Outback. He actually stepped away from being a proprietor of Outback. Uh, what's up Jules to, uh, to jump on with Jules with her real estate career. And then like a couple years ago, she was so busy and I was like, you know what? I think I have time even with the bar And a big thing about having the bar business is it's volatile, right? You never know what could happen. You don't want anything bad to happen, but Jesus, like, you know, it's just a very high risk career business. And with the kids, and I was like, just thinking one day, Jules is like running like crazy. And so I texted her, I was like, hey, what do you think if I got my real estate license, you know, and came to work with you? And she was all about it. And I was a little worried what trip would think. And I hit him, I was like, dude, are you kidding me? He's like, come on. So, you know, I got, I started doing online classes at night while the kids were in bed. And then it took me like nine months. Then I got my, uh, my license and I, I love it, man. I, I just enjoy enjoy helping people enjoy looking at properties and checking out it just i i don't know i i love it far more than i ever thought i would so i'm a numbers geek so that's part of it you know is uh i've had so being like uh being licensed where does that allow you to like list houses and help people buy houses the whole state of south carolina or how does that work well, we're like in Oregon, georgetown county so like these coastal like the grand strand area um we can refer anywhere in the world, you know? So if you have somebody looking in California, need an agent, we can reach out and find an agent. Uh, but like Jules just got a uh, license in North Carolina. So now okay. she can go over the border. Cause of course that's only, you know, an hour away. Um, but yeah, for me, I'm, I'm right here along the grand strand. in uh, so mainly like the East coast of the Carolinas, uh, yep. like that type of stuff, right? Yeah. Oregon Georgetown County is where it is, and it's big, you know, there's a lot. And, and as you guys know, this area is, booming you know yeah, and especially with the yeah and it's all and i love it here and you've been here 18 years but with the pandemic and a lot of people getting out of the northeast uh you know they're flooding in and 
uh, it's booming. Property values are going up and, you know, things aren't staying on the market very long. And it's, it's, it's an exciting time here for sure. Is that where most of your clients are coming from? Like just Northeast, everybody just flooding from the North down to the South. Yeah. I would say like Indiana, Ohio, and like up to the Northeast, Should I do that backwards either way. Um, yeah, <laughs> most of them that that's where I would say they're from. And, uh, you know, occasionally get some, like I've had some from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's just difficult with travel and things are moving so fast, uh, to get them a place. But, but yeah, the Northeast is, is, is my bread and butter, you know, that's where we're from. And, and there's a lot of people moving down. So we're excited to Speaking welcome them here. BRG. That's what you're drinking. Oh out, right? yeah. Did you guys see my cup? It's from ah, BRG. Shout out. Shout right, out. BRG. The DeForest so happy. Yes. Ready oh, editing here. Comes. We only got one. We only got one. Jules, fire up a second one. It holds <laughs> like 33 ounces of water. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How much tequila does it hold? <laughs> Wait till Sunday or Saturday night. Oh yeah, you guys will already be hammered by the time I'm done. <laughs> we already had the well. talk though. Yeah. Uh, so if we're ready to start buying some real estate, we are able to hit you up. How do we do that? Yep. You can hit us up at thedeforesteam.com, and then if you look right here, Chris has put my phone number uh, in editing post production. No, no but you can, yeah, you, you can now either write that down or remember to do that. <laughs> no, you can find us, uh, believe it or not, we are on all social media platforms. So you can find us on Instagram. Uh, you find us on Facebook. You know, I have my personal page, but the DeForest team is where everything funnels through. So, yeah, look. So uh, DMs me, I should send them your personal phone number, right? It depends on if he or she is cute. <laughs> <laughs> depends on what they want. Don't don't share my number for anything. Um, yeah, I'll tell you. We put uh, I put my my personal number and real estate stuff on our bar glasses. Actually, for tonight at the bar Wednesday night, we do the the craft beer night, and I have gotten some very strange texts in the middle of the night from random people because they have my phone number. <laughs> Nothing to do with real estate either, but. Um, but yeah, getting it out there is cool. So yeah, definitely check out. And it's BRG Real Estate is our parent company, and and the DeForest team. We're doing we're doing big things. You know, Jules and Trip are leading the way, and you know I'm honored to to be learning with them. So so it's it's fun, and we we do everything: commercial, investments, residential. So whatever you want, bring it. Man, is that a good sales pitch? Working. I said <laughs> I, I was talking to somebody today too about it. Was like when you work for yourself or you own your own business. Uh, because we both stepped away from regular, like corporate America, you know, like regular jobs, working nine to five, punching a clock where you have a guaranteed paycheck as long as you don't get fired. Um, so when you start to work for yourself or own businesses, like I work so much harder, you know, like we, I mean, we both do. I, I think you as well. Like around the Yeah. Clock. Like when you work for yourself and you have to go out and like earn your paycheck or like the harder you work, the more money you make, like it's a rabbit hole. If you tell somebody like the harder you work, the more money you make, I won't stop working. Yeah, it's just like yeah. it's fun. I, I think it's much more fun than just going in and punching a clock anymore. Oh yeah, totally. Well, and remember, you like, didn't want me to quit my job. Yeah, yeah. It's like that old cliche, you know, like if if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. Like that's sort of what it feels like, especially being self-employed or entrepreneurial. You get to you get to go after what makes you happy, you know, or what yes. you enjoy, and uh, and that's the great thing I, I found, you know three things, you know, four things, you know, as far as, you know, being a dad is amazing. You know, it's the coolest coaching them and watching that is, is by far the coolest thing. And, you know, in the bar, you know, I'm proud of where it is. There were, there were some years that I wasn't proud of, you know, the state of the bar and, and but now I am and, and it's going well and real estate, I'm loving it. And damn it, I'm almost 40 and still punching dudes in the face for free or for, for, Legally, I should say, not for free. <laughs> yeah. Not for free. Edit that out. And um, yeah, so so it's cool, and, and still time to hang out with you know you guys. We we go out and we do dinners and stuff. You know, knock on wood, it's a pretty damn good life, and I'm not I'm not one to complain about much. So yeah, and you don't look a day over forty five. Thank you. That's what I've been told. Forty five, forty four is, is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to the uh, some blank and beard company for the sweet oil. Looking yeah. Nice. And it's funny, you know, like the, the beard company, I remember somebody said to me once was like, uh, you know, like we, we started the beard company a few years ago and they were like, you know, I wish uh, like I would get lucky and like do something like that. And I was like, and none of this has anything to do with <laughs> right, luck. Yeah. Like, it's not like 
somebody started a, a company or a business and just handed it to me. And then I just sat here and collected money. Like everything, like anybody can do this. Anybody can go out and start a business or start a side hustle. It's like, it's not luck. It's like, go out and like work for it. Go out and get it. Like if you have a, if you have a nine to five, but you have like a passion on the side, it's like, start that side hustle and build that thing up mm -hmm. until a point get, where maybe you can pay somebody else to run it and then do it again. It takes a little something in you, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I don't think everybody has that. You know what I mean? Agreed. It takes a lot of discipline and, you know, I mean, you don't know how many times people have been like, especially when we first opened the bar, because looking back at pictures, I wouldn't believe we owned the bar either, but people are like, Oh, it's so <laughs> nice. Your parents gave you a bar. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. You know, that's not <laughs> how it happened, but you know, my parents right. fully supported and I offered, I think dad, I don't know. Are you still watching dad? We offered you an opportunity to get in as a partner. And he said, uh, you guys are crazy. So I, well, he's a what self-elected mayor of that bar. I swear. Like, he is yeah. in there. Like he's, he gives the best hugs. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to Tim. <laughs> yeah. I've never gotten one of the hugs you get. No, neither <laughs> have I. It's odd. Awesome. Yeah. And he always he hugs from backwards and just reaches it's weird. around. He always front. tells me, I always say, how are you doing? And he says, I'm better now. Every time he sees me, I don't know yeah. what the correlation when is. When you hit a certain age, you can say whatever the hell you want, I think. And he knows it. Once True. his beard turned white, he's like, I'm in. I can say. Yeah, I can't wait the, for mine to go full uh, white. <laughs> he's like, I can say the most perverted shit I want. And they're going to be like, oh, he's such a cute little old guy. He's like, I, you know, I think he was dying at white in his thirties. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we covered the bar, we covered fighting, we covered real estate. Are we missing anything? Are we missing any other, like, uh, I don't think so. Right. I think we covered. Yeah. Well, what about you guys? Huh? You, you enjoying your new pool? Got the fence put in today. Pool's pretty much done. Uh, loving like this South Carolina vibe. Like, yeah. Everybody's like. Kristen just won her CrossFit. Yeah, I did. Right? I did that. I mean, but I uh, let me tell you, I feel not like a winner. I'm in so, I'm so sore. <laughs> hey, that's that's awesome, though. You know, because I mean, I'm it, getting towards my competition. I saw what you're going through. I can't wait. I hope we get to, you have celebrate to ride my together. wave. I'm telling you, you know, it's good. So uh, I'm, one thing I'm, I'll say like, is quick, quick, somewhat funny stories. When when we decided to move to Myrtle Beach, we were like, it was like very spontaneous. Like we bought a hot tub for our house in New Jersey. We sat in the hot tub and like the first day we were in, it was like nighttime. We're drinking, fooling around. We got a little handsy, but that's neither here nor there. While we're in the hot tub, we said like, I wish we could do this like year round. It was just so beautiful out, but like Jersey gets cold. You, you have like Memorial Day to Labor Day and then it's cold. So we were like, let's go south. So we said, let's, we picked the city. Let's go to Myrtle Beach. We decided to drive down here and we got a hotel. And our hotel room was next to the big Ferris wheel uh, on the beach mm -hmm. uh, in Myrtle Beach. So we got here late at night. It was like midnight. And we were like, let's go get some snacks and some food so we can eat while we're in the hotel room. So we went like any normal person at 2 a.m. We went to like Piggly Wiggly mm -hmm. um, in Myrtle Beach. And so uh, what I'm getting at is how like nice people are in Myrtle Beach and South Carolina, I guess. I guess once you just get south, people are very friendly. So we go to Piggly Wiggly. And it's two o'clock in the morning and we're like just checking out, trying to buy some cereal and milk and breakfast foods and whatever. And the guy checking out behind me, there's like only us in the store. And I could feel him like standing next to me, just staring at me. Like, you know, when somebody's just looking at you the whole time. And like, so finally I like look over and I was like, what? And he had like bleach blonde hair. He's probably like 25 years old. Uh, tattoos like on his throat. I think it like had a dotted line and it said like cut here tattoos all over he's wearing like a like a wife beater shirt and uh, so immediately i was just like was judging him and i was like what and he's like what are you doing or how are you doing so then i immediately look at kristen and i was like this guy like messing with me and she's like i don't think so so i look back i was like what'd you say and he's like uh he's like i just hope you're having a blessed day so then i look at chris i'm like he's definitely messing with me he's like messing with me right now <laughs> and she's like i don't i think he's just being nice and so i was like i was like you trying to start something and he's like no man i'm just trying to just say hope your night's going well and then I like looked at Chris. I'm like, grab your stuff. Let's get out of here. And then like <laughs> later I learned that people are just nice down here. And, but like when you have that Jersey or New York mentality and you come down here, it's a little bit different. Like, Well, yeah, because everybody up north has an agenda. So if somebody says hello to you, it's because they want something in return. We're down here. Like everybody wait. Like we go for a walk around the neighborhood and like just stop and talk to people. We would never do that in Jersey. Yeah, you don't talk to people. Like if you visit New Jersey or 
If you visit New York, don't just talk to people inside the road. Like yeah. you'll you'll end up on a milk. I mean, cart. we we had wine with you guys when we first met. Just and I didn't even outside. want to do it. Like I had anxiety about doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's why we. Were I still him. regret it to this day. I know. I, mean, well, I see. Yeah, I totally regret. I still can't believe. I remember your daughter was like, she looked at me. She goes, "I can't believe my parents went inside your house." And I was like, "What?" She's like, "They don't go into people's houses." I was like, "Oh, yeah, all right. Like, like, should I be don't worried?" Really open up. Yeah. We're kind of closed off. Yeah, so it is. It is different down here. Things are very slow down here. Like you can't when you need something fixed or worked on around your house or anywhere. Like people are very slow. They'll fix things on their own time down here. But everybody's very nice about it, so you can't get mad at them. Um, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow. One question from uh, your sister. I don't know if there's anything in between this or between the lines, but uh, how did you meet Cynthia? I know we talked a little bit about Cynthia in the beginning. Is there any oh. funny to this, or is there something? We should know. Yeah. No, it's great. Actually, this is how I would like to see Cynthia later. No, I was uh, riding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should bump the brakes on this one. No, it wasn't. It was, oh, well, I don't want to think about her at that age. But, yeah, it was a long time ago. No, I remember a buddy of mine, I think Brent Plummer, I think we were riding our little BMX bikes down the road. And we looked, and these girls were mooning cars as they were going by. So literally, I looked over and I was like, what in the heck? And he knew them and I didn't. And then we went over and ended up getting introduced. So yeah, like I saw Cynthia's bare, bare butt before I ever saw her face. It was love. Why did we never hear this story before? I, don't, I just realized that. I'm like, I've never heard this. Yeah. I had forgot oh. about it until my wonderful sister brought it up. But yeah, oh. yeah. That's how I met Cynthia's booty. That's when I fell in love with even her name. It was, I was going to say it was love at first sight. <laughs> Yeah, well, there was three girls, and I was like, which one was in the middle? I'm like, it was her. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> it's my forever. <laughs> but she was dating somebody, so I had to threaten his life to get him to break up with her. So that didn't work, and then he waited till she was single. And the yeah, rest was I waited till, yeah, I waited till she broke up with him because he didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. So we just hit the uh, – we're getting good at this. We just hit the one-hour yeah. mark again. So. Um, so I think we shouted it out. What we'll do is uh, we'll edit this video. We'll get it up on the Hustle & Muscle Podcast YouTube channel. And in the description, we're going to be linking all your information from your social media to your real estate stuff to your bar. So if anybody comes down and visits Myrtle Beach, they can go check out Island Bar and Grill and Surfside. Um, and what are you, like 10 minutes away from the Myrtle Beach uh, area? So yeah, definitely able to stop in. And, uh, you know, if somebody comes in and they says – and they say – they says – if they say they saw you on the podcast and they're from out of state, you can get them a round of drinks on us. How's that sound? That sounds good. As long as they're getting something free, like water, then it's all. Right. Hey, no, I'll tell you what. Uh, the rest of the the next couple of days, if they come in and mention the Hustle and Muscle podcast, give them ten percent off that next tab on us. Aww. that'll love it. Bring it. Hey, and I want to give a quick shout out too because you know uh, the company's still our sponsor and my my old behind and my two title sponsors of this fight if you don't mind, is Black River Distillery out of Pamplico, South Carolina. Uh, they make their own vodka and is awesome. Uh, the owner developed it overseas when he was in Saudi Arabia. And you can look up the liquor laws in Saudi Arabia. It was a pretty risky proposition. So they are my title sponsor. And then my other brother-in-law with Gutter Techs, um, Seamless Gutters. Uh, they are my other title sponsor for this fight. So shout out to them. Thank you, guys. Hope to do everyone proud this Saturday. So. Should be fun. I'm excited. I can't wait. I know, to see I can't it. wait. I can't wait for Chris yeah. to lose his voice. And I am gonna make sure that I am much more sober during this fight than the others because I remember the first fight, your first fight was my first fight, my first MMA experience ever in person. Yes. And I, I went a little bit too hard and I got a little bit too overzealous. Almost got kicked out. And then the Oh, I lost my earbud. And then the police had to actually ask me to uh settle down and calm down and say polite things uh when you cheer. And I said, yeah. well, how do you – like you're at a, a very barbaric event. People are in a cage, like fighting each other. Uh, that's my fighting. They're fighting each other. This is why you don't get in Yeah, and like how do, you, how do you like say nice things? Like how do you – you know, I mean it's just so barbaric. Like if you haven't been to an MMA fight, I well, went to hey, my first hockey here. fight or my first hockey match, and that was pretty intense. MMA, whole nother level. Like, like for this one, just nice things about me, not so many negative things about him. See, that's no, how they should have explained it. That would have been a lot better. <laughs> just just but, yell Bouchard over yeah, and over again. Yeah. It'll be fine. But, I, but I, won, I won the belt. You guys are my lucky charm for the first one. So. See? Yes. 
I won't talk about the second yeah. one. Charleston, wherever the hell you are. You know honestly. what? That was a that rough. Was a gr- that was a rough fight. Yeah, it was, but it was so much fun. Hey, fourth round championship rounds. Kids undefeated, tough as nails. I honestly it was the most fun I've ever had. Even though I didn't get to to retain the belt, it was such a blessing to be able to do. I honestly can't explain it. It's weird come off a loss and be like that was amazing, but <laughs> that's, that's why I'm a little deranged and I'm still doing it. But uh, but yeah, it's I can't wait. I want to get back on the winning track this uh, this Saturday, and I Let's cannot wait. We'll have to have you back on a podcast to update everybody and how everything goes. Um, and you know we're honored that you came on. The, took an hour out of your night, especially right before you know right, the fight and everything. Fight. So I want to thank you again for doing that. I saw you with your gallon of water, so make sure you stay hydrated. And I think Boom, I'm most it. impressed that you were able to keep an earbud in those cauliflowered ears this entire time. So yeah, that I, I think love, is a big victory. I would love to have stereo sound, but it, it's not going in this one. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. uh, that God, it looks nice. like a like a hamburger patty. Cynthia likes chewing on it though. She, she <laughs> Does it have why. any feeling at all? It's whatsoever? not even cauliflower ear, it's bite marks. Yeah, Do you feel yeah. any of that right now? Uh, not, uh, not really. Not until, it, not until it gets all messed up. <laughs> Look, it's turning red already just from touching it. But no, hey, I appreciate you guys having me on and congratulations yeah. on the podcast. I know you're talking about it a, a while back when you're doing your live videos and I think it's cool as shit. So yeah, we're having yeah. a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. 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 And the hustle and the muscle is uh it's true. So keep grinding, yeah. you guys. And you know, we have we support you all the way. So keep it up. All right, yeah, man. Same to you. Thank you very much. And uh go get some sleep, go get some water, and we will catch you uh this weekend. Yeah. All right. Cynthia, daddy's coming home soon. <laughs> see you later. All right. I'll see you later. Other than that, I think that's it for tonight, right? I think so. So again, huge shout out to Brandon Bouchard for coming on the podcast. And a huge good luck. Yeah. So we will keep you make sure you follow on Instagram, yeah. follow both of us. And we'll I'm be sure posting all about it on Saturday, Saturday for sure. So thank you guys again. And we will catch you guys next week. Peace out, everybody. Bye. <laughs>